Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Really looking forward to uh, our Ohio University sports ad series, Life After Court Street here, season two, with our guests and Kelly Ford from the Horizon League and Alyssa Rice from the NCAA, uh, along with my co-host and Laura Waters-Brown, of course, and excited to get the discussion going around uh, kind of backgrounds getting into college athletics and then... Um, also kind of where college athletics is heading, the differences between conferences and uh, the league and so on. So Kelly, Alyssa, welcome. Thanks, Jake. Glad to be here. Appreciate you. Thanks for having us. Laura, I got to start off with Kelly's background because when I first learned that he was an engineer, uh, I was like, what are you doing in sports? Like, how do the two and two part. together? Yeah. And, parts. and then he said like, yeah, I was making a lot more money. And then I took this big pay cut at first and you're like, why? So Kelly, uh, what, what made you go from engineering? Uh, Explain yourself. Yeah. Explain yourself, please. Yeah, Jake, Laura, well, you won't be surprised to hear that my fiance at the time, now wife, and my parents were also questioning the decision for the reasons that you've already laid out. So I've given this story before. I'm happy to do it again. It's a decision I'd make over again as well. So um, I'm originally from Indianapolis. I went to Purdue University for undergrad. Um, To be completely honest, I followed my high school girlfriend at the time there, that is who is now my wife, so everything worked out for the best, but um, I did just kind of fall into engineering. I was never really passionate about it, but my dad is a civil engineer. Um, My mom is a high school math teacher, so I kind of had that math science background and thought, you know, I'll apply to the engineering school at Purdue. I got in, didn't think much of it, started going through the program and really realized I didn't love what I was doing. But by the time I was thinking about making a change, I was already what, two, three years through it. And it's like, well, it's silly to change now. So um, graduated from Purdue with a mechanical engineering degree, worked for a year um, at an engineering architecture firm in downtown Indianapolis. And like you said, Jake, um, the money was pretty good for first year out of college. The hours were great. It was Monday to Friday, eight to five with an hour lunch break. Um, I really enjoyed my colleagues. They were great people. I I enjoyed my boss. He was fair, honest, great, um, good to work for. But at the end of the day, when I sat down at my desk and needed to do my work for those 40 hours, um, I wasn't really enjoying it as much as I would have liked to. So I kind of took a step back and said, if I'm going to work for 40 plus years, I really need to be doing something that I enjoy a little bit more. So Took a second to think, what is that? Um, Always been fascinated by sports, always played sports growing up, right? Like everyone always says. So I thought it'd be cool to work in sports, but I didn't really know what that meant. Like I said, my dad's an engineer. My mom's a high school math teacher. I don't know what it means to work in sports, but I got connected with a couple family friends and it seemed like who, who did work in sports or who knew people that worked in sports. And it seemed like Jake, Laura, Almost every other person or or almost every person that I talked to had some sort of connection, some sort of tie to this program at Ohio University. Either they went through it, their kid went through it, their colleague went through it, their brother went through it. 
everyone had this title. Ohio. I was like, I got to check out this program, Ohio. I need to learn more about it. So I went over to Athens, um, toured the campus, uh, sat in on some classes and, uh, they had me all set up for kind of an, an, a visit and I loved it every single minute of it. Um, so I applied, went through the application process, interview process, was fortunate enough to get in. Um, and then that really allowed me to uh, make the transition into the sports industry. I went to Ohio not knowing exactly what I wanted to do in sports, but during my time there, I really um, honed in on college athletics and through my networking efforts back in Indianapolis when I was home on breaks or weekends or whatever it was, I was able to get to know the folks at the Horizon League and um, they had a position open up. Uh, while I was in my second year of the program and timing worked out that I was able to accept that position. And I've been with the Horizon League since uh, 2017 now. So really enjoy what I do. And um, like you said, I get paid less. I work more hours, but I absolutely love what I'm doing now as opposed to um, the work I was doing before. So like I said, it's a decision that I would do all over again um, because I really do enjoy what I'm doing. Alyssa, you had a little bit of a different track, right? Were you a mechan mechanical engineer too? No, I was an accounting major though. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So we got accounting and engineering. For you after this, after this is over, I have a tax question. I need to evade uh, a little have bit. The I'll have the IRS coming for you. I wouldn't trust me. <laughs> Never mind then. Continue. <laughs> Alyssa, so accounting, how do you go from accounting major into college athletics? Like you're, you're working on the championship side, explain a little bit for those who are listening, what does that even mean? Like to work on the championship side within the NCAA and how did you get involved? Yeah. So, um, in undergrad, I came in, I actually started out pre-physical therapy, um, as high school, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to stay in athletics in some realm. And at that point in my life, I was like, oh, physical therapist, I can rehab athletes, get them back on their court, get them back playing in the game. That was very simple-minded. That was the one way I knew how to stay engaged with student athletes outside of coaching. And I knew I didn't want to coach. I don't want those problems. <laughs> um, so I went um, with the pre-physical therapy track, realized I don't even like touching people's feet. So I was like, maybe this isn't the path I should be going on. Um, so I talked to, and then just being in the athletic department, I was um, a women's basketball student athlete at the University of Kentucky. Um, so just being around the athletic department and seeing how many different facets there are to work in college athletics, um, it really opened my eyes up and I really became fascinated with the role of director of basketball operations. Um, so I really just started having intentional conversations with Ardobo um, throughout the season, what all her job entails. Um, I like the behind the scenes type of role organization logistics that's my jam so I don't need the spotlight and by any means I just like to be, do what I do behind the scenes as long as everything goes well um so end up changing my major um didn't want to go the general business route uh, we didn't have sports administration as an option for undergrad at Kentucky so it was going getting the business background um so is either it left me with either finance or accounting accounting came more easy than finance to me um, so I went the accounting route knowing there was like a period of time. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get a, be an accountant. They make a lot of money. But then I was like, yeah, I cannot do this full time. Um, and then, so yeah, it was just really getting that business background. That's how I became an accounting major. And then, um, had the chance of, um, either staying at Kentucky or, uh, to be a GA. Um, so I thought I was going to do that, but they were creating a new position. Um, and I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket and something not work out. So. Um, I'm from Columbus, Ohio originally, so I was like, 
I wasn't going to be able to go. I hadn't gone back home as much as I was being a full-time student athlete. Um, I was only three hours away from home. My parents come to games, but I was like, oh, maybe it would be nice to be a little closer to home. Um, heard great things about um, the Ohio program, as Kelly mentioned. And so I just applied on a whim. It's like, if I get in, I get in. Uh, <laughs> so end up getting, going through the interview process. Um, actually, I had to do my interview virtually because I was in the middle of season, so I couldn't even travel down to Athens for the whole interview day. Um, but yeah, I ended up going down actually one random weekend with my sister, sat in on some classes, um, really enjoyed the experience. Everyone there, all this um, current class uh, took me out to lunch and, you know, on Court Street just told me what their experience was. And I was like, this is something special. Um, ended up making the hard decision of not staying at Kentucky uh, and decided to go to Ohio, find a new environment where I wasn't tagged as a student athlete, still didn't have, basically could be a regular student. Um, one of the greatest decisions I've made, I think. <laughs> uh, don't regret it at all. Um, but yeah, that's what brought me to Ohio. And then now um, I'm working at the NCAA as a champ uh, coordinator. And so I work in oversee Division II football championships, Division II softball, National Collegiate Women's Ice Hockey, and National Collegiate Men's Gymnastics Championships. So that's just doing all the planning and coordinating throughout the year for those championships. And then when they come those times around, I go to the actual championships and activate them. So, yeah. So many questions between the two of you. I have so many questions. One, let's I get the feet thing. I too thought I was going to go into pre-med and medicine and athletic training. And then I went in the athletic training room and saw the football players and the feet. And that was it. I think it was the first you quick. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Oh, no. So I get you on that. I feel you on that one. Both of you have super interesting stories and in how you got to OU. Definitely way more interesting, I think, than Jake or I's story. We just kind of showed up on the doorstep and they took us in. Um, but with both of you getting into sports, I know, Alyssa, you were a student athlete, so you kind of had a viewpoint into it right and first of all jake have you ever heard of adobo i right. thought i knew every acronym of basketball operations or in in my case baseball operations yeah the dobo i thought I knew every acronym i learned a new one today the dobo okay um but what was something that surprised both of you when you first got into the industry outside of the pay kelly we know that was First thing I lead off with, with anyone wanting to get into sports, start there. But what was something that surprised you both when you first got in, like your first year on the job? Yeah, I think for me, the first year on the job, um, there were really two key takeaways. And I'm not sure, I probably didn't give the engineering world enough of a chance. I mean, I worked at the engineering firm for just over a year in the internships that I did during undergrad but I probably didn't give it enough of a chance to actually see the engineering industry. So these, these might be applicable to other industries as well, but sports for sure, first and foremost, it is all about relationships, um, especially like at the conference office. So at the Horizon League, we have 12 member institutions located throughout the Midwest. We deal with um, the presidents and chancellors, which comprise our board of directors. Then we have our athletic directors who can mostly comprise our council. We have senior women administrators, faculty athletic representatives, student athlete advisory committees, and then all of the other administrators that we have on campus that oversee the sports, um, facility directors. I mean, all the student athletes themselves, 
you name it, we're dealing with so many different stakeholder groups and it is all about the relationships. If you don't take the time to cultivate the relationships with the people that you're working with, it, it will not benefit you in the long run. Like you need to take, and, and it, we, it, we get busy, right? Like it's hard to take time and set time out to just call someone or just to go see someone um, in, in the membership. Cause sometimes it's a, up to a four or five, six hour drive from Indianapolis where you're going, but it means so much to those folks on campus when you actually show up there without an agenda to just go talk to them. How's it going? What can we do at the league office to make your job, your life easier, better? So that was the first thing I learned. It was instilled in me very early by our commissioner at the time, John LaCrone, who actually is an Ohio University alum. Um, from a few years before before us, uh, but he's been in the industry for 40 plus years. I mean, he's, he's been doing it a long time. That was the first thing he instilled in me. And then the second thing, which has rung more true in the last 18, 24 months than even my first two or three years on the job, is that the only constant in college athletics, at least from our perspective in the league office, is change. And I know that's applicable to a lot of different industries, but there is so much change happening in college athletics not just because of COVID and NIL and transfer portal and all of those things, even prior to that stuff, everything was changing. Maybe the rate of change was a little bit slower than it is right now. Cause it seems like right now, the information I got five minutes ago is out of date. Cause we've got new updates on different things, but um, those are the two things. It's all about relationships and the only constant is change. So that's what I would say among a myriad of things that I learned early on. Those are the two that probably stuck out and stuck with me. Yeah, I would just echo what Kelly said. Um, definitely agree with those two points. And I would just add um, the fact that things are planned out so far in advance, um, especially in the championships world where we're doing bids for, you know, for I think our next bid cycle is for 27 through 31. Uh, so just thinking that far out in advance. And I don't think everyone even Prior to me being here, I didn't think the, I knew things were in advance, but not that far in advance. So just trying to think about what that landscape looks like and where are our priorities going to be in that instance uh, was something really unique um, that I experienced. And then just echoing in that change, especially here at the NCAA, being here during this time. Um, yesterday, we just approved the new constitution of the NCAA. Um, so it's been a very unique time to be here. Um, I think our organization um, and in particular in college athletics as a whole is in a very unique spot with, when it comes to change. And I think just also coming out of the pandemic, um, not only are, is there change among the membership, but there's change in here in the national office, people's priorities are changing. You can tell um, we're just trying to get to a spot where people feel supported, people you know, are figuring out what's important to them because um, you have to during the time, a lot of, got a lot of time to reflect on your priorities and what's important in your life. So I think we're just trying to be in a spot where we can be the best membership, uh, be the best support for our membership and also those who work within the national office. You mentioned the changes constant, like obviously that applies to a lot of things in life as a whole, right? Um, but Kelly, you know, as you kind of moved closer back home and kind of around family, Alyssa, you did that when you went, you know, towards Columbus, right? Like, how has that played a role in your decisions to go from one place to another or, uh, you know, stick and grow in one place? Because again, the last 24 months have been interesting in terms of different perspectives being realized. Yeah, Jake, it was real easy for me um, when I made the decision that I was going to go back to school and, you know, go to Ohio and try to make the switch into the career, my career into sports. Uh, my fiance at the time was like, great. Okay, Kelly, you go do what you need to do. But 
I have a house in Indy. I have a job in Indy. My family's in Indy. Um, so, you know, if we're going to make this work when you're done with school, you, you need to come back to Indy. So for me, I was very geographically constrained, which <clears throat> I was upfront about with folks at Ohio as I was there and as I was networking in Indy and all those things, because I know that that limited my job prospects, my job opportunities to work in sports, because if you're flexible with geography, you have a lot more opportunities, obviously. But I always told people too, there are much worse places to be geographically constrained to than Indianapolis. Like Indianapolis has a ton of opportunities, professional sports, college sports, agency, marketing. I mean, you name it, we've got all sorts of different opportunities in sports. So I was in a good spot being in Indy, but that definitely drove my decisions. And you said, how has being close to family um, limited or helped your ability to move around, move up, whatever it is. I've been at the Horizon League since I graduated. Um, I'm I, I'm very happy there. Um, so I'm open to other opportunities in Indianapolis always. I mean, I think you'd be silly not to be open and listen. Now, I'm not actively looking though. Um, and really I am still constrained by Indianapolis. My wife and I now have two young children, both sets of grandparents are here, right? So it just makes too much sense to be staying in Indy. But I have, I started at the Horizon League as the director of administration. I'm now an assistant commissioner for competition and basketball strategy. So I have had the opportunity to continue to grow and, and develop in my professional career and um, secure new job responsibilities as I've continued to progress. So um, the folks at the Horizon League do a great job of allowing us to continue to grow and it's a great place to work. So I'm very happy and uh, have no plans to leave anytime soon. But if I did, it would be for something in the Indianapolis area for sure. Kelly, I just want to real quick, like we went to dinner when I was at Purdue in Indy and like, you know, time flies pretty quickly. Now you got two kids. I'm like, like life has changed. Come on. Like, life just, has like slide changed. that in there. Well, yeah, Jake, that's what happens when we haven't seen each other in a little bit. Yeah. Two kids. We have a two year old boy and a five month old girl. So um, it's crazy busy at the Ford house, but it's tons of fun. Um, my wife and I are enjoying every minute of it. Um, periods of time where we don't get much sleep, but that's okay. That's just part of being a, a parent. So we knew that going in and, um, we're very excited with, with our family and, and, and how things are looking here for us moving forward. But yes, Jake, things have changed since we last uh, met for dinner a couple of years ago now. Yeah, that is <laughs> Yeah, for me, um, I when I was at Ohio, I really didn't when I and I started my job search. I really didn't want to put geographic borders on what my first job. I always said I want to be as open as possible, but also I it was more concerned about the people I was going to be working with, and um, I'm very much uh, you know relationships person. So if I can get along with you and um, like you as a person, I feel like it's easier to work with you. But I feel like that's pretty a general consensus. But so that was, that was more of where I, my focus was. Um, I also, I did want, family is very important to me. So I gave myself more of like an eight hour radius where I could get home if I needed to. Um, and I wasn't, you know, across the country or something like that. Um, so, but then the opportunity came, um, the NCA has a postgraduate internship and I ended up applying for that and ended up getting selected for that. So I was actually committed for that as my first job out. Um, I committed to that in December before graduating. And um, then I started that in June of 2020. And then um, going through my time as an internship, I was a women's basketball intern. Um, and it was a very unique year, COVID year. We we're very much in a stalling period, trying to figure out if we were even gonna have a championship, what it was gonna look like. Um, but then there came a time where um, in January or December, I guess, an opening came up in the champs' upside. 
Um, so that's the other 84 championships that are not men's or women's basketball. Um, a full-time opportunity came open there and I was encouraged to apply for that um, and was fortunate enough to get the opportunity. So after six months, as being an intern, I was then hired on full-time staff and um, got that opportunity. So it worked out. Uh, I thought, always thought my end goal was always the conference office or national office doing championships events. I thought I was going to do a stint on campus or go back to campus after the internship. Uh, I said, while I was young, I can do the hustle and bustle, but um, at some point I knew I would want like the stability, more stability um, of a conference office and knowing my, having those set hours, not being on call 24 seven, not having to be at games all the time. Um, but now I just got to experience that a little earlier and now I'm not sure if I would ever go back to a campus. Um, I definitely admire those who are built for it. Uh, everyone is not built for the campus life. Um, I just definitely think that this championship world encompasses everything that I enjoy and love about athletics. And just to be, you know, to see the epitome of what you work for as a college athlete, um, that's my job is to put on that event every year and I get to do it four times a year. Um, I just think it's like, a, I love what I'm doing. So um, just planning on riding it out. There's advancement opportunities in the position I'm in. So as long as I stay happy, I continue to like what I do. Um, we'll see where it takes me, so. That's so awesome. And like, I, Alyssa, we're gonna have to catch up after this because I'm, I'm so many experiences are the exact same. I am, I too am not built for campus life. I'm not, I'm not. It's too, it, the grind is crazy. I think everybody should do a stint on a college campus. I think it instills just something a little different in you. Those 3 a.m. call times will get you every time. And it'll teach you how to roll the best tight uh, t-shirt burrito. Can confirm, it's a skill. Uh, with both of you, you know, college sports has been at the forefront um, of the news in various aspects between the NCAA, you know, I work in gender equity, I'll put it out there. So between NCAA, some issues there, and then with NIL, um, talk a little bit about um, how these hot topics really kind of affect your day-to-day, -day, whether it's NIL, whether it is, you know, the NCA signing the new constitution and, you know, making the changes based on the recommendations of that, the, um, the third party um, for a more equitable space. But how has, how has for you, Kelly, NIL, and then for you, Alyssa, um, the gender equity affected kind of you and your positions? Yeah, the gender equity has been huge in what I do. Um, of course, that's stemming from the championship side here at the national office. And, um, you know, we just are now more cognizant. We had a lot of reflective period of when that all first started shaking out. We had to do like internal reviews of what our championships are across divisions, across, you know, gender equal sports or equivalent sports. Um, so we're still doing that in our day to day. We have changed our structure of our champs or, um, side into where we're, there's more collaborative efforts um, among the divisions and among those matchup sports like baseball, softball, and we're having those conversations being more intentional to make sure that we're not oblivious in creating inequities when we are not intentionally trying to do so. Um, so it's become a lot more, I feel like, intentional and more brought to the forefront um, after what occurred last year. 
Um, so I think we're definitely more cognizant of it. And then we're also creating more positions with it here within the national office to try to, um, you know, be intentional about having gender equity among the conversation and monitored um, in everything we do. And so it's not, we're not being reactive. We can be proactive um, for, you know, sometimes we're not the best at doing so, but we're trying to be more, become more proactive rather than reactive. Yeah, and Laura, for, on the NIL front at the conference office, so at the Horizon League, we sponsor 19 championships, including men's and women's basketball. We do not sponsor football. Um, so I feel like a lot of the NIL deals that you're seeing in the media um, are really revolving around football and more specifically FBS and Power 5 um, football. So we don't have that aspect, um, but we do have some, some smaller NIL deals going on in our league um, with, with student athletes. At the league office level, we don't facilitate any of those. We don't introduce our sponsors at the league level to student athletes on campus. We don't facilitate meetings. We, what we do, our role is we are providing education to our member institutions, like the compliance offices basically is where most of it's been trending, but we also keep the athletic directors informed as well, just because it is such a big hot topic in college athletics and it is somewhat new um, still. So um, that's really who we mainly try to educate. And what we're doing is we repurpose a lot of the information that uh, Alyssa's colleagues at the national office put together so that we can, we can send that on. But we also create some of our own with our governance and compliance um, staff in the office. So um, that's really our main role with NIL is helping educate our members so that they can educate their student athletes on campus. So we're a little bit more removed than the actual agreements taking place between student athletes and partners out there. But um, I do want to say I've been a proponent of NIL, um, at least in its true form, in terms of student athletes being able to benefit financially or otherwise from their name, image, and likeness. I know there are certain uh, instances and stories out there where we're getting, it's maybe a slippery slope or we're getting a little uh, close to the line on some things, but um, in its true form, I've been a proponent of NIL for honestly, since before I even knew I was going to be in sports or in college athletics. I mean, this goes back to my high school and college when I'm here and what do you mean a star football player can't go sit outside a Walmart and sign autographs and get five bucks for each one he does 10 bucks, whatever it is. Like, I could go do that, but no one wants my autograph, so it's not worth anything. But why can't they do that? It never made sense to me. So I'm glad to see that we're in that space. Um, but again, I know we have to be careful about how, how some of these deals are being structured and implemented because we do want to make sure we're not paying student athletes to play, um, at least at this time. That's not where we are. And I personally um, would like to see that continue because I do want to continue to value um, the value of the scholarship and all the things that come along with that with with food and books and housing and you know all the different things that student athletes get when they when they uh, sign a, a scholarship with an institution. Certainly, more change to come, of course, Kelly. Right, like that's that's uh, the name of the game. That's one of the two takeaways from my first six twelve months on the job. It hasn't changed. If anything, the rate of change, as I mentioned, has increased. So change remains constant, and the rate of change has even increased since I started. So absolutely crazy, Jake. That's what I'm saying. By the time this podcast posts. We could have different rules with NIL. That's what it's, everything just changes so quickly. It's hard to keep up, but we're doing our best. Most definitely. One one quick question before we get to rapid fire, which is always Laura's favorite part of the episode. But um, you know, both of you mentioned that you know you've learned certain things getting like once you've been in college athletics. But 
if you could tell someone right now who wants to get into college athletics, like, Hey, how do you get there? Because it's different, right? There's so many different options as you talk about campus conference office, national office, so on. Um, what's the one piece of advice you'd give to anyone who's thinking about college athletics? And this could be advice even to people who are in pro sports or somewhere, or, you know, an agency or somewhere else right now. And they're, and they're also thinking about it because of, you know, maybe the dynamics of the industry right now. And it's interesting, right, to get into and, and so on. My biggest piece of advice would be volunteer. Uh, get your name out there. People love to see if, and are more willing to, you know, speak on your behalf if they've seen your work ethic from for themselves and firsthand. Um, so I just made it intentional for me. Um, and I tell anyone that asks me like a similar question, just get yourself out there and volunteer, no matter how big or small the role, just do it to the best of your ability and just keep looking for those opportunities. Um, I know like for myself, while I was a student athlete, I couldn't have a job. So all of my things that were on my resume were volunteer experiences, being on committees, being on SAC, all those type of things. Um, I never got a paycheck for any of those things, but you know, it, it was an experience that I gained in, you know, it was being able to speak on those experiences that allowed me to transfer that into a job and people were seeing my work ethic in those roles. And so if you're doing, if you have a good work ethic while you're not getting paid for it, people have even that much more faith in you um, when you are, they ask if you're, of your qualifications or if you're someone that a company should hire. Um, so that'll be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah, I absolutely agree and echo everything that Alyssa just said. Um, I guess mine would be kind of one of my other key takeaways from my, my first learnings in the industry is it's about the relationships. And it's something that I actually did um, when I was looking for a job. So I guess I maybe knew the lesson before I learned it in college athletics, but it's all about the relationships and people, people are very open and receptive to talking with you is what I learned. If you're not necessarily asking anything of them other than their time and just to talk, right? So when I was in grad school, and this is what I would recommend to anybody that's at the program in Ohio now, hone in on a specific something, whether that's location, like it was for me, or an industry like pro sports or NBA, whatever it is, or just hone in on something. So you're not reaching out to everyone and anyone, because that can get one, it can be overwhelming for you. But two, that can kind of come across as this person just seems to be trying to network just to network, like, be intentional with your networking. But when you reach out to folks, just ask them. I always asked a couple simple questions that carried us through an hour conversation. And I talked for five or 10 minutes tops. Like people love talking about themselves is what I learned. So I asked them, I'd reach out and ask for the opportunity to meet with them, tell them who I am. And you're not looking for anything because you're in grad school or, or you're not looking for a job. You just want to get to know them. I asked them, tell me about your current role and organization. That was first. And they love to do that. Tell me about the career path that you took to get to where you are right now. And people love to do that. And then thirdly was in the most important one, most pertinent to me, the one I really took notes on, what advice would you have for someone who's like me trying to break into the industry and eventually be in a position where you are in, in your role in your organization, working in fill in the blank at wherever they are. Um, if you ask those three questions to folks, they'll talk to you for an hour and you'll talk, like I said, for five or 10 minutes and you'll get a ton out of it. And a lot of times, based on how the conversation has gone, they will either give you others that you should be reaching out to to have similar conversations, or if you had, if you thought it was a good conversation, you can also ask them at the end, hey, Billy, Sally, Joe, Sue, 
is there someone else in your organization or that you work with that you think might be good for me to talk to now that you know a little bit more about me and kind of what I'm looking for just to get to know some folks in this area, in this industry, whatever it is. So that's what I would say. Be very intentional about networking and ask folks lots of questions about themselves because that, that goes farther than you think. That's great. That is great. I think the, one of the things that stood out to me um, when you said is it must be a Midwest thing because every time we have to name random names, it's always Billy, Sally, and Joe. Like, is that a, is that a thing? <laughs> Jake, do you do that? Do you? I can't I just, say I, I can't say I use Billy, <laughs> Sally, and Joe, but <laughs> it's got to be a Midwest thing because it's always Billy, Sally, and Joe. Well, now I'm self now I'm self conscious about it, Laura. I gotta watch what I'm saying now you in the future. Have to find I'm giving some example names. names. Yeah, you have to get some I, names in there. Like maybe that. I maybe I need to say Laura, Jake, and Alyssa. No, don't mind. Don't. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna step up the the difficulty level on this a little bit. I usually go to the ice cream flavors, right? And it's one or the other. But I'm not gonna do the traditional chocolate or vanilla because it's basic, and everybody typically says chocolate. So I'm gonna go with chocolate chip cookie dough or Neapolitan cookie dough. Chocolate chip cookie dough, easy. Good stuff, good stuff. Favorite, favorite food spot in Indy. I'm hitting you with a few. I'm hitting you with a few, Jake. Breakfast, cafe, patatou, lunch, Lock Millers, dinner, St. Elmo, and if it's anything Ooh. in between, Blind Owl Brewery. Booty? Booty wow. much? <laughs> Brunch, Lavino, uh, or Good Morning Mamas, uh, lunch, Condados, dinner, ooh, St. Elmo's or the Eagle's Nest. Um, yeah, going out time, Kilroy's. Hmm. Wow. If you're ever visiting Indy for whoever's listening, you know right. three or four or five places at least to go. <laughs> Who needs Yelp, Jake? This is going to be our next book. Right. Right. Who needs Yelp when you have Ohio recommendations exclusively only available? It'll be the last page in the directory. Here are the top places to, to eat brunch, lunch, dinner, breakfast, snack, late night. Um, okay, taking it back to your time in Athens, uh, are you a Poppers fan or are you a Bronies fan? Bronies for sure. Champagne slushy all day for me. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Oh. I could all, never get those. I could never. All that, all that goodwill we built up with the, with the ice cream, Alyssa, we just lost with Laura there on that one, I think. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't even try eating the brony champagne slushies. It's just not the same. Do it yourself. <laughs> they have a secret, secret sauce. I always, we always did the, um, what was the orange juice? The shot. Was this drop shot? Maybe I don't do it anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not familiar. It was a big old glass and they dropped it and you had to, it was a thing. It was uh, a Jaeger bomb? No. Was it, <laughs> you know, the, the Irish car bomb? That's no, what, but I was, no, that wasn't orange not juice. An Irish car bomb. Definitely not. An, I'm not chugging milk. <laughs> Next. That's, Next. That does not sound right. That does not sound right. <laughs> All right, Kelly, Alyssa, favorite sport from the O'Malley Cup? Ooh. We haven't, we haven't asked this one yet. Ooh. And to follow up to that, your favorite sport, and then did you win? 
Favorite sport for Rally Cup would have been the soccer game. Um, I don't even remember if we won the game, but we got blown out. 2018 got blown out in both competitions, both against the 17s and the 19s. So we were just, we were not super athletic, apparently, which is super embarrassing, but the secret's out. Um, I might probably would have been um, probably flag football or cornhole. So I feel like the, both of those got really competitive. Um, I know we won cornhole, I think both years. Um, I think we might have, I can't remember what our record was in flat football. I know we won our second year for sure because we won everything my second year. So <laughs> I don't think it wasn't even close. Like we didn't even, we might've got like five or six competitions in because it was like a flush. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Jake, did your class win? I think so. And that's that's embarrassing to say, but I, I think so, because we we would have played we would have played you guys, Kelly. You like, guys cr you guys crushed us, Jake. We lost yeah. the seventeens and the nineteens. We were poor, dude. We were poor. Yeah, we yeah we definitely we had a lot of talent. We had a lot of talent. We, we gotta go what? back to the list. I feel like our class, my class, had probably the most Division One athletes in the program, or college athletes. I feel like that was a thing. One, we didn't lose ever. We had a lot of we had a lot of injured former college athletes. Like I feel like that was the <laughs> No, we pushed through. Everybody pushed had their through. ailments. Nope. We pushed Jake. through broken fingers, broken noses, kneecap. We pushed through for the championship. It was serious. It was funny because you're right, Jake. You guys did have like a whole list. You had like an injured reserve list, but then you, you still did. beat us. So it was like, you oh did. my gosh. Like I'm serious. We we had we like legit had an IR, I'm pretty sure. Um, That's amazing. I was on it at one point. Yeah. Ugh, I think All right, we Laura, were... take it, take it home. All right. Last last one. I gotta make it a good one. I gotta reach back way back into mm, got it. You can travel to one country, all expenses paid in the world where are you going well we did our mba international immersion trip to italy because that would have been kind of on my list but i've already been there so that that was an amazing trip we were there for two weeks um it, it was so much fun i will say australia just because I've, I mean, I've never been um i've heard really good things i think there's a lot of cool things to do there so i would say australia for me um, mine would be Bora Bora. That's mm. been on my list for a while. Um, so yeah, that's my honeymoon destination, I guess. <laughs> that's what I tell myself. So we'll see. <laughs> Look, girl, just get up and go. That's what we're doing. Right. <laughs> going. We're not waiting on that of nobody. We are going. Booking.com, just just figure it out and go. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time I just pick up and go. Stop. That's definitely my jam. <laughs> Look, just go put dates out there. People will come. I promise you. I promise you. That's, that is so cool. That's first of all, I feel some type of way that we didn't have an international immersion opportunity. No. We yeah. We went to Italy and uh, the Netherlands. So we did, we went to Venice and Rome and Italy, and then we went to Alkmaar and Amsterdam while we were in the Netherlands. And then we got to, uh, stay if we wanted we had the option to stay an extra week and travel wherever we wanted and they still paid for our return flight home so I went to Greece 
Barcelona. Yeah, Greece and Barcelona in between. Yeah, no. Nope. Don't like either one of you. Nope. Now now we have travel suggestions too now on, on the back end. Yes. Of wow. So that'll be on the opposite page on the OU Yelp <laughs> review is yeah. places to go on your international immersion trip <laughs> that all of us didn't to go on. Kelly, Alyssa, really appreciate the time, perspectives. Thank um, you. Obviously, best of luck to both of you as you embark on, on uh, your journey. But uh, appreciate you being part of our Life After Court Street Season 2 on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Us. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.